Welcome back to the Talks of Life podcast. I'm the host, Brittany Jacobs. In this week's interview, I had a great conversation with Katrina Lilly, one of the co-founders of Freedom Family Band. We discussed what Freedom Family Band is all about and how life is living in Africa. Check out Freedom Family Band when you get a chance and listen to Katrina's music. I learned a lot in this interview and I hope you do too. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoy this podcast. Well, we took the name Freedom Family Band. So we used to try to hide it and like, you know, have people watch our kids for us when we play or like, um, you know, I used to stick my older one in front of an iPad while we played music. And then recently we just had to start embracing it. Like they want to be part of the show. They're part of our thing, apparently our Freedom Family Band traveling circus. So we just kind of <laughs> had to embrace it. So that's what I'm doing now. I mean, you bring up a good point of most people pacifying their children with technology and iPads and iPhones and video games, you know, things of that nature that, again, kind of disconnect yeah. the parenting um, to the children, unfortunately. But with all the chaos going on now, I get the challenges of yeah. constantly being around your child, you know, having yeah. to feed them, of course, by being the full-time teacher, you know, full-time parent, mm-hmm. all of it. And yeah, it's Finding the balance. Yeah. Exactly. Like the the balance I'm not gonna I used to be pretty hardcore about everything you know like oh no you can't eat that oh no no tv nothing and really definitely from living here in Africa too I have had to definitely like loosen up on my my perfectionism as a mom and just stay true to what feels right and but always be humble enough to you know to accept change and and not be too set in my ways so that's what I've been doing recently (laughs) it's trying to be flexible with him sure um so can you speak about any type of discipline like maybe if your kids do do something that they're told not to do how do you usually handle something like that that's a rough topic for me for sure um and sometimes I shout you know like I'm definitely not perfect in the natural um in the gentle parenting role um I'm getting a lot better than I was with my daughter before I was aware of it but it's definitely a lot of patterns a lot of ancestral patterns and we know how we should parent so that's a question I can answer how do I want to parent (laughs) I can give you that it's something I'm really deeply deeply working on and not claiming to be awesome at this stage. I can definitely attest to being more reactive sometimes as a parent instead of responsive. Uh, it's a big difference is reactive, re- reacting and responding. Um, but what I, what, and that's just due to my own inner child wounds and, and subconscious triggers and um, stories and then the pattern between me and my older daughter. However, what really, really changes the game and has already begun to change my game with with parenting is being lucid and aware of it. And that's the big difference between me and a lot of other reactive parents or imperfect, flawed parents is that I know. And because I know, we're able to really incorporate those tools and and talk openly and honestly about it, where a lot of parents you know, totally brush any issues or mistakes under the rug. And I, on the other hand, am a lot more open to discuss them with my child to, mm-hmm. to say after, you know, I lose my temper or I'm not being very nice to come back around and say, you know, that's not your fault. That was my fault. You know, like I, I shouted at you. I got upset. I, you know, stormed away from you. There's nothing, I said something mean to you. Like it wasn't, it's not because you were, that's that's true you know so being lucid allows us to take responsibility as parents and I think most of our wounds are from those conversations not being had with our parents and being repressed in in and thinking that every time our parents got upset with us which is a natural thing to happen we built a subconscious mind over thinking that it was our fault and that it's because of our we're not worthy we make them you know it's it's our fault so by just having open conversations with our children and taking responsibility like actually apologizing as a parent 
I think we're creating a totally new pattern for the next generation and not pretending to be perfect, but, but a hundred percent sticking to honesty and authenticity and being willing to, yeah, say sorry. Cause I know most parents of the previous generation, it's not really a thing foundation for understanding how a relationship is supposed to go you know not even just Mm. friendship but you know in relation to uh, Mm. one individual to the next taking ownership of this was my emotions in the time and I reacted in a wrong way but again being transparent to be like no I take full responsibility as you're saying and that way they can Mm. again just it's just this balance and flow of okay it's it's not me how can we work on it together you know Mm -hmm. like going forward how can you work on this how can I work on this how can I do my part you know without right. the other end with just you know you don't want to go the totally opposite direction and you know and just always claim it fully you know it has to we have to be met with our children and I know that's harder to do with younger children so I don't know how that would look like but with older children which is a common thing that I've noticed in the like the natural parenting world is this comment this common question about like okay I love your story I love that you like went through this amazing natural pregnancy and free birth and like are raising your kids really healthy and plant-based wow okay what do I do when my kids are like 10 and I am just learning about this now you know and that's where this this conversation comes in about the authenticity and the openness and the honesty and not just expecting everyone to always be on the same page or have the same idea and just being like you know open about our mistakes our journey and where where we are and willing to meet each other on on that journey so that's what I'm learning about not what I'm an expert in forever learning journey and again there's not necessarily a guideline or a book or a manual that tells you yeah. oh, this is the proper way this is the only way to raise a kid because um, it does look different for you know all different generations of course in the set and setting and um, yeah how much you know if there is one parent two parents uh grandparents in the mix like you know it, all the help that you can get um kind of from a village or whatever mm. uh, is very practical and useful I think to kind of Definitely. give people that room to breathe and, and yeah have some space for themselves definitely and being open and honest with your friends and your family and your people around you especially like your peers you know like other parent friends because when we, you know, I had this idea when all this crazy stuff is coming up in the world of, you know, all these people being confronted with their shadows and um, like, you know, musicians and even smaller scales, gurus and people being called out for things. I had this, I, this, this like insight come that it's a time of, of truth, you know, and in many ways on a big scale, but also in a, on a personal scale. And I feel like if we created a radical honesty movement where we are willing to open up to our friends, our peers, our followers, whoever that is, about our small sins or big sins or mistakes or flaws, that every time I am honest about my past or or what I'm dealing with now, I create a safer container for someone next to me to also come out about any anything that is heavy on their heart because all of us have have stories that we've buried you know all of us have something that we've buried or a few things that we're burying or not really wanting to go into and shining light on them discussing them admitting to them being open you know the true act of repentance people think is just like you know they think of something so religious when when it really means to change and in order to change it you have to be open and honest about it Mm-hmm. and um, that's what I feel like we're in a time in in the world so like something I would I would love to do is challenge everyone to really talk about it and and tell your friends what you're going through and what you're dealing with tell your partner whatever that is that's been on your heart because I don't believe that our lives can flow with beauty and grace if there's something we're still holding on to mm-hmm. well then you almost wonder like that's kind of like the root of of the problem right this yeah. holding on to the tension or whatever is building yeah. up um, emotionally inside and of course reacting in that way um, it's mm. kind of my understanding of emotions and mm-hmm. how you know Definitely. if we hold them back and do hold maybe things that we've done that where you don't feel good about um, yeah it doesn't feel the best 
sharing your truth yeah. necessarily, but it is um, kind of another part of the healing process of admitting that you're wrong, you know, forgiving yourself and, and moving forward from that space. Yeah, the honest expression. When people talk about this part of the body, the third chakra and expression, you think about singing, you think about being outspoken and being able to share and communicate. But a lot of those things are going to be completely blocked and you can't even begin to work on them if you haven't just communicated your your little truth to the people around you in your life. Whatever that means for you, it can be it can be bigger, it can be small, it can be something that you did or something that happened to you. It can be just a recurring thought. Um, we all know what comes to mind when we when we open that when that door, something comes to mind. And if I start sharing it, you start sharing it, she starts sharing it, he starts sharing it, then the world can like slowly, yeah, this ripple effect. We can we can really heal and you know hundred monkey effect when more and more people start to do it other people for no explainable reason other than our quantum one mind connection start to open up too and then we all start to heal these habits and our patterns and yeah profound healing of generations and generations and generations to come do you feel like there's any um sacred place or a spot um, that people can kind of create that circle of flow and truth um because i can't mm. say that i've ever really been besides the like a course that i took in college that it was like a you know a class but within that we did group meditation twice a week and kind of oh, is after it that, we would is that mine dr rocker yeah, yeah 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 so whatever would come up after you know people were it was an open space to to reflect yeah. or speak your truth on yeah on it and i can remember feeling yeah, like blocked up a hundred percent. Like I wasn't, I wasn't ready to share that truth or yeah. whatever was coming up for me in that time. Yeah. I think there's a lot of safe spaces forming. If that's, if, if you, if we're manifesting community, which is what I'm doing in my life. And I know there's a lot of people doing in their life. There's a lot of different forms of spaces like that. I know things are a little bit on hold with mm -hmm. COVID, um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of things being birthed online, um, transformational groups, classes. Um, but then in person before this, and I'm sure in some places it's starting again slowly, there's something that comes to mind specifically with women called the Red Tent, which is a powerful tradition. I don't know if you've heard of the Red Tent. Um, something you know, to do with women going to the Red Tent kind of, to shed. Yeah, I mean, it's based on, originated based on... Um, indigenous uh, practices of essentially when women would live in community they would generally bleed at the same time and in most communities that time was spent not really cooking and cleaning and doing their normal things that actually gathered together in this specific I don't know exactly where it originated but they would gather in the red tent and just kind of have this very spiritual ceremonial process of just sharing as women and it's interesting because we hear so often of like the negative side of the patriarchy, like, oh, they won't let women cook when they're bleeding. That's so like sexist, you know, whatever. And that's totally true because they did have that side of it, I'm sure. But in a lot of cultures, the women actually saw it as a huge blessing because they got time off, you know, and they got to not have to do a lot of the things that they normally have to do. And so there's always two sides. And that's, comes down to also the way we see um bleeding now is like a negative thing oh i get this i get that i get that but really it started as such a positive thing um well i don't know all the way up the line but it in many times it's been celebrated and been seen as a time for rebirth and the red tent was birthed out of that celebration and that red tent gatherings now is essentially just a tradition honoring that time even though it's not really what cult communities do anymore the red tent gatherings happen all over the world it's just a beautiful space for women to come and heal and talk and connect and meditate and sing together so that's just one example of many sacred spaces for honesty like even at transformational festivals retreats healing retreats um medicine ceremonies plant medicine ceremonies um 
yeah, I think there's lots of spaces being birthed for that. I think maybe they've been put on hold a little bit with what has happened, but um, people are calling for that in their hearts. I, I strongly believe. If I'm here calling for honesty here in Zambia and Africa, I believe that there's many people around the world calling for that safe space to express and to hold space for those expressing and that there's many people who see how important that is for the healing of our entire earth that's wonderful yeah and again i think it goes so kind of suppressed like you know we're not again necessarily raised in community um or are told that it's okay to to cry to you know Mm. super vulnerable to your surroundings and the people yeah. um, that love you the most and you know being your true self is something that again mm. a lot of people have time expressing because of we're not necessarily nurtured to to understand mm. that that's mm-hmm. okay and we need that you know definitely and we're kind of trained to hide certain aspects of ourselves, and mm-hmm. especially as women you know you're too loud you're too big you're too fiery you're too crazy you know you're <laughs> too passionate and that's something definitely that took me a while to get over in my life. And I'm so grateful for my partner where I am at. And um, even though I'm not always super grateful to be here where I am in, in Africa, it is something that I'm really grateful about that I've had the opportunity to really get over that and just know that I'm kind of a loud, weird, overbearing, wild, <laughs> um, chatty you know, on top of all my amazing qualities that the list is way longer if I was going to list all the things that are like 100% beautiful about myself. But I have to I have to be okay with the few that some people get annoyed by also. Because I, I, yeah, I have to acknowledge and accept that they're part of the way I am and the way I've been conditioned and that I have to accept where I am on this journey. And I hope I learn to kind of tame some of the you know, the immature aspects of my personality, um, quick to speak, slow to listen, um, other, other little bits. But for now, we just have to accept ourselves, acknowledge where we want to work on things, but accept that it's not overnight. And that if people are going to think you're this and that, and if people are going to think you're, especially where we are in Zambia, oh my gosh, we are so weird here. We are so weird. We are like crazy vegans. And... (laughs) And, and we're not even strict vegans, like, but we're just like the crazy vegans whose kids don't eat bread, or sometimes we do, but not very often. And like, who can't, who, what are we going to make for them when they come to my kid's birthday party? And like, our lifestyle is so flipping weird here mm. for everyone else, even Matt's parents, my husband's parents. And like, it, mostly the most of the not eating meat thing is really hectic here people think it's super weird but other aspects of how we garden you know the locals are like why don't you just use chemicals like they're so much easier why do you do all this why do you spend all this time and a lot of christians in our community a lot of missionaries um who are so beautiful we have such deep connections with them we feel so resonant with them they're wonderful people but yeah a lot of people think we're strange and it's so interesting because in america and even when we've been on our journeys in South Africa, like, yeah, I know that there's some people that think I'm pretty strange, like especially people I don't know that well on social media or my family. But in America, there's so, so much more people like this. There's so many more hippies. I even made it, we were, we had a booth set up at the market we were at this weekend. And I had a joke I was saying, because we were selling some natural medicines that we made. I was laughing at my own joke. I was like, yeah, this is made by a 100% real, authentic hippie. Like, this is a real-life hippie. And <laughs> they're just laughing. because this younger 20-something-year-old kids that are, like, dressed like hippie, hipstery vibes. So I'm like, no, I'm, a, like, a real one. Like, <laughs> they really are real. And even in Zimbabwe, this really cool kid we're friends with, Tanaka, came up to us one time and said, you guys are like real hippies. You know, I know another real hippie. Do you want me to introduce you to him? <laughs> so just being comfortable. And then we met him and became best friends with him. And he became he's a 70-year-old um, drummer in our, in our band, Freedom Family Band. And he traveled all the way to South Africa with us. So you find your tribe. You really do. You have to go through a lot of people who think you're nuts. But <laughs> you find them. There's other nuts. There's other really passionate, beautiful activist nuts out there in the world and we're 
we're waiting for more people to wake up and join that. It's like also, it's constant how many more people are waking up and and becoming aware. And so there's never um, there's never a shortage of of tribe if you're open mm-hmm. to to looking somewhere new. For sure. Um, so as an American, can you testify to it being like Americanized over there in Africa or not nearly as much? Like what? This is such a good topic. Um, Africa is totally different than what I expected it to be. Like totally. And I'm, oh, well, yeah. Um, hmm, Americanized. Okay. So the desires of the people have been Americanized. Mm-hmm. And that's sad. The what, and I won't say Americanized, colonized by more of the British. So it's more UK influence here, but maybe some America because of kids growing up with cartoons. Um, but however you want to look at it, colonialized for sure. It's really hard to explain. It's really interesting what's happened here. I don't really know where where to start, but yeah, you can see a big contrast where you drive through and it looks nothing like America, like lots of shop, sh- uh, shacks and huts and um, desolate land. And it looks like what you'd expect Africa to look like, but then you get into the cities and the towns and there's just consumerist billboards, junk food, brand names everywhere. So the people have been, yeah, pulled out of their rural traditional ways and kind of convinced to want to be like Americans um unfortunately is is kind of the way I see it right now in a simple put simply there's a lot more to it than that people have really especially where I am here in Zambia people have really abandoned their rural ways to work in still rural areas but work really hard on commercial farms or as domestic workers or people in the cities um but the rural areas people get paid really really low and that's just like the way that it is right now um because also the price of living really really low so the you know people people don't look in poverty and when i say someone i when i say the average farm worker or domestic worker gets paid two dollars a day people are going to see which is true people are going to think that that means that they're living in poverty and they're going to be really confused when they see smartphones in their hands. And they say, how do you have a smartphone and you make $2 a day? Well, because that person eats this processed maize meal as 80% of their diet and that's so cheap and has their shack paid for and they're working their, their, they're working so hard just to be more like us and it's really really crazy it's really it's really wild that they'd rather that lifestyle than living in the rural areas um working for themselves in a different way you know in the original way supporting community tribe etc um but they've kind of been influenced to think that they want some more which maybe maybe we all do maybe we do want smartphones and we do want fancy shoes and maybe that's okay but it just feels like it's a little bit um yeah not it's inauthentic the way that it's been well it's not i mean to understand the cost of i mean americans do that a lot too you know we surrender to paying all the bills to keep the roof over our head and maybe what's left is enough money to buy groceries and at that point you know processed frozen food some of that is easier um and just more convenient because we're just lazy or don't know how to cook or have mm-hmm. the education you know how to source mm-hmm. and produce something that is nutritional you know has more valuable mm. things in it than yeah chemicals and ingredients you can't read so it is yeah. you know i've only very recently well within the last five years i guess become more conscious of what I'm putting in my body. I'm growing up, Mm. you know, my mom didn't know any different. So it was like what she put on the table, you know, we were thankful for and, you know, growing out of the house, it's like, oh my gosh, this is what I knew to eat. This is terrible. Um, Yeah, I know. Mostly processed meats and, you know, the freshest of veggies and and enriched pasta, flour stuff. (laughs) Oh, 
it, all of us uh, kids are just like so hooked on starch. It's so it's so interesting to see here the contrast because in so many ways it's like most of the people you'll say like oh well they must live much healthier you know because they do really I mean I don't know about healthier compared to more simple you know less 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 chemical ingredients for sure less processed food but the main basis of their diet like I said is an empty completely empty but yet fortified so like the basic nutrition is their starch and then a little bit of veggies and a little bit of meat sometimes on their plate and they pursue like when they see hungry lion which is like the equivalent to um mcdonald's here it's like like i want that because i want to be like you know americans have it all you know i want to wear this brand name where a lot of us americans are waking up to realize that that's bullshit and that like that that that, that that's crazy and so sometimes i just want to like and I do sometimes, especially the one the the people I'm close to in my community here. Sometimes I'll just be like, "Yo, no, like turn around. Like I just want to shake you. Like just go back. It's just like two generations ago. Just go back. Like America, we have so much terrible like choices. So many terrible choices to undo. It's so hard for us to go back and fix what has been instilled for for Americans and other people in more colonial uh, colonized countries and for African people, even though there's so little education on natural living, et cetera, and you could you could notice that it's also so much less undoing that needs to be done. It's so much more rectifiable here. If just a few passionate people came in and shared the message, it could it would it will spread like wildfire. And that's why I'm so passionate about being here. There's not resistance against what we're doing here. There's very little big money resistance against going naturally or starting this holistic healing center or whatever you're doing you're you're very free here yet there's so much pain and and damage done by the commercial farmer so it's a it's a huge contrast of a, of a place for sure it's really really interesting and like i said nothing like i thought it was going to be so the commercialized farming is that i mean it's like a corporate entity type of thing that's supplying food for the city or wheat soy maize those are my three words of the day that's all i got for you wheat soy maize um yeah work and labor and land is so cheap in africa that i guarantee you most of the meat that you eat maybe not you in america but definitely people in the uk is is now being fed grain that's coming from africa China is big in in Africa, but they're more on the mining side and less on the the farming side. But I know a lot of our wheat, soy, maize is exported to Asia, to Europe, to America, and used locally. But most of it's used as animal feed. Like over ninety percent of the wheat, soy, and maize agricultural land in the world is being used for animal feed. And so there's a lot of people who say like, oh well doesn't like vegan eating or plant-based eating use more land than animal like they, they don't understand that and and no the amount of land if you could see where I look every day right next door to me like the amount of land used to produce just wheat soy maize it's mind-blowing if I had the resources to turn that size land into a permaculture food forest we would be feeding thousands in this community versus selling it all in bulk to feed some animals halfway across the world right um and i mean of course at the cost of the uh, commercialized farmer the pesticides fertilizers all everything and then of course then it's directly impacted that local community of you know with runoff i'm sure or whatever sprays yeah, the soil are getting in the air. air the soil is so i i don't even I try not to think too much about the air because that's me. I'm I'm here. I breathe it. My kids breathe it, you know, but yeah, it's true. And um our soil really is super sick here because when one section of soil is depleted in nutrients, you've got the then it begins reaching out for nutrition from the soil next to it and then that soil is depleted and that starts to reach it, it just it's 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 it, it doesn't just affect that land. It goes really deep what's happening 
And that's one of the reasons that I think we're here in Zambia to make this huge impact. There's, I believe we can do so much for the entire world from where my family is stationed by God right now. We're uh, right down the road from a place called Broken Hill. The, co- the town's been renamed to Kabwe. But I don't know if you or anyone that is listening has ever heard of Broken Hill. I'm sure some people have. It's where the Broken Hill skull was discovered, which is one of the oldest human skulls ever discovered is right down the road from where we are. There's a lot of people that believe that humanity began in Zimbabwe, which is our neighbor neighboring country where my husband and my daughter are citizens of. Um, so I believe strongly that there's a huge reason why we're here and that by healing some of the wounds that happened so early in time here, that has huge pattern ripple effect into the world. Africa is even though it's been super touched and tainted in a lot of ways, it's uh, compared to a lot of other places, it's, it's a blank slate, honestly, where if the money and the intentions were going into the right hands here, the amount of beautiful, amazing, regenerative work here, the potential for Africa is, is mind-blowing. But the negative side is every agenda sees that equal potential in Africa mm-hmm. for what they want. Mining, commercial farming. Yeah, Africa could easily be the next uh, man-made rainforest. Easily. The right people were here. There's that much there's that much potential to just get out here and just start planting trees. It's not like America where all these cities would have to be completely redesigned and there's already so much infrastructure in America. Mm-hmm. Here it's like blank blank canvas for sure. So like I really hope I'm really praying that we hop on that blank canvas before a lot of the commercial interests continue because they've already been here for in Zambia especially um, for I don't know 40 50 years a lot of mining a lot of mining do you know what they're mining for by chance is it for copper so your phone the device I'm speaking to you on right now anything you buy in China the copper is coming from here I think we're, I think Zambia right now is the third or the fourth largest producer of copper in the world. And locals are kind of doing that as, as work and income mining. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And again, for about two, $2 a day, but I'm not in a heavy mining area, so I don't have too much. I'm in much more of a commercial farming area, about four hours North of us is what's known as the copper belt. And that's where all the mining is happening. But yeah, the mining is why Cobway, the town we live in, is known in many environmental science classes study it as having the most lead poisoned water in the world um, is because of the mining. And gratefully, I don't think I'm too affected by that because we have a borehole, which is like our own, what people with more, um, more privilege essentially have borehole water. But people who are in the municipal city areas are still, I believe, drinking some of the most toxic water in the world. The charcoal industry is wild. Oh my gosh! You no you good. Can drive, yeah. You can drive down the road and you just see because here in Africa, one of the blessings is that you can pretty much get all your food on the side of the road, like just at these little shacks set up where people sell sell stuff. I love it, not having to go into grocery store. But for as many produce stands there are, there's more charcoal stands of just people selling bags of of charcoal that they just cut down trees and burned for that charcoal with no education on replanting. People can criticize timber companies, but part of what makes a timber company a good timber company is that they keep planting more timber for themselves, at least, you know? And people here don't have that education to replant. They just will continue finding more trees to cut down. So is that where a lot of the deforestation comes from, plus the commercialized farming? farming? Plus the farming. Um, yeah, and most of the farmers here will blame it on the charcoal people, for sure. Got a point um, somewhere. I don't know anything. Like they're just cutting down trees. And it's true, but, you know, like, it's equal responsibility. For for me, it's like, well, at least they don't have the education and they're doing it. Like, for a lot of you guys, you do have the education and you're still doing it. But it's hard to, to be too angry at people because, like, for instance, Man, if you had to know how many trees I had to cut down to build my house that I'm building, it's mind-blowing and heartbreaking. Like, oh, it makes me sick. Every time, like, they talk about how many trees we need to do our, our roof or our fence, I'm like, oh, oh. But, you know, for us, 
for me, the only way that we justify it is that we know that as soon as we're getting prepared now, we're waiting to replant until rainy season because it's just way too hot. We only have, we have certain a set time, about six, six to eight months out of the year, you get no water. And then the other part of the year, you get steady water, hopefully. Our minimum this year is to plant the amount of trees that we used for our, our homestead. And our, our dream is to have a little eco center here, right along the side of this road, just an opportunity to educate people and to, um, yeah, to just set an example and a blueprint. But yeah, we, to be more about honesty, looping it back to the beginning is I can, I can talk all I want about people cutting down trees, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm one of them, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, um, actively, at least I'm educated and I know what I have to do to, to repair that i'm hoping to do it more as like a community project and get and get funding at some point um so that i don't have to be focused on making a profit in order to sustain it i'd much rather be focused on just doing good and having some sponsorship behind me so that i don't have to worry about making enough to you know support it and my family but we'll see how that unfolds i think maybe there's combination because i'd love to just sell excess food from our permaculture garden and empower some people with with jobs i'd love to have a little health cafe wow i'd be like the first one ever here i think <laughs> coming back to the tree things just to say one more thing is like so there's just not a lot of other ways here to build and i mean you can but check it out most people who buy you buy planks right to build your project to buy whatever you're doing and you don't have that immediate connection like oh this was a tree like you know i on the other hand i mean i'm not the one who goes and cuts cuts down um the trees obviously <laughs> that would take a really long time um but i have i see the trees show up and i'm paying for those trees to be cut down for me to use and i'm seeing that this is a tree like this is not a processed plank that i'm buying at a store from this is a tree from the forest behind my house and it's in it's an intense relationship it also correlates to here in africa the authenticity of of meat and even though i'm not into meat eating personally um the way it's done here is a lot more righteous than the way it's done in america it's like the kids know what they're eating and they've seen it happen they've seen the chicken die they it there's a little bit more of a of a blessing and an honor as opposed to growing up in america where something just shows up into your on your plate you have no connection you don't even realize that, that chicken nugget used to be on a chicken you, know, you don't have that connection so it's definitely a more authentic and primal and aware way to live in a lot of ways here it's like you can't really just it's it's primal yeah you're 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 really in survival mode for sure um so i would assume it's still considered like third world living in a way or Maybe yeah, super interesting question. Power. I it wonder if seems like you got a great connection with Wi-Fi. Yeah, I have great Wi-Fi. I got this. I started this. Um, I finally was so sick of not having um, signal that I my husband bought me this little thing called a dongle, which gets um, helps us have Wi-Fi. It's a little I don't know. cool, but yeah. So if there was four D, if there was a fourth world, is there a fourth world? There should be. I'm gonna start that one fourth world between um i guess no it'd be second in between third and first it's some very strange contrasting combination of people who are still living in like huts and shacks with grass roofs but like really intense power structure infrastructure water piping lines it's like it's like trying so hard to be america but doing it so wrong <laughs> it's, it's very strange i i I don't really know how to describe it. The cities are broken um, beyond belief, and uh, but it all still works. Yeah, it's it's very strange here. I I wouldn't say that it's Zambia would not be a good representation of a third world country. No, sure, there's aspects of it that I haven't. I'm just many people would categorize it as one. I mean, there's a lot of poverty. There's definitely hungry and mal malnourished people more commonly than hungry there's malnourished so people that are just eating this you know this starch and that's it 
Yeah. Right. And I guess the only way I'm able to justify what that even looks like, um, you know, recently I've traveled to Mexico and there's definitely oh. parts of it where people are living very rurally, you know, they might have like some form of, I guess, cable into their house now, but yeah, um, I don't think it, it comes, of course, with a cost. It's not something that they're given or anything like that, which is why you kind of see like other smaller huts and I mean, you I guess they're just living extremely simply. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't talk with them, of course, but you can kind of just see that that's, that's all they've got. That's all they maybe know or even desire to have in life. Um, but right outside is like this kind of like gated community, more of like golf and country club for, for yeah. the more privileged, not necessarily Americans, but people from all over the world are attracted to that way of living. Very um, similar. And you have all your amenities, small shop. Yeah, grocery store close by. But. Yeah, I mean, my husband's parents live in a in a simple but very like commercialized home, and they have their you know their irrigation and their their normal appliances. And you wouldn't think you're in Africa. Yeah, we do have some appliances too. But mm-hmm. when you're at our house, you can t- definitely tell you're in Africa with our huts and, <laughs> and things. Um, but yeah. You know, what's interesting here is that pretty much everyone, no matter how poor they are, have figured out how to have data connection, Wi-Fi, and cable. <laughs> I don't know That's how, so it doesn't funny, right? but it's a priority. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can speak negatively about that because there's definitely negative agendas involved. But at the same time, I think it's an inherent desire for human beings to connect and right. to to find purpose and to to be like other people and I, I think that that's normal and mm-hmm. I, I see why the local people want to be like like us and I don't know hopefully they see how why I want to be like them we joke about it you know we're close <laughs> with a lot of the people in our community and uh, we've definitely laughed at that before about how wow well, I'm trying to be like you and you're trying to be like me it's so weird but beautiful yeah, right so with the education system there, do you feel like that's part of maybe another issue that's, you know, kind of swept under the rug? I know it's a... Yeah, the education in Zambia is a huge issue. It's interesting because we're, we've been living in Zimbabwe also, and they're twin countries. They used to be one country, Rhodesia, and they separated, and they couldn't be more different in the paths they took. Zimbabwe is very unstable, but very passionate and cultural and educated and and funky and colorful and um, they're having a lot of huge problems politically, which is maybe different than that, but the people are generally quite educated. Here in Zambia, that's not the case. Many parents don't see the benefit of education because a lot of them went to school when the education was a bigger thing and Mm -hmm. still weren't able to get any better jobs. So um, there's much less of a pressure here for education and yeah, the education system is very poor and it reflects. And that's another reason coming back to why this place is such a blank slate. Like it's such a beautiful opportunity of a canvas because yeah, of course there's public schools, there's government schools, there's private schools. Of course it's not completely blank, but there's a lot of opportunity for a more conscious learning system. And that's something that we would love to help create, you know, schooling co-ops opportunity, especially with COVID happening, you know, like, why how there's so many qualified teachers here what if every village and community just like came together and hired a teacher you know and and shared that and then there's there's ways you know without having to come to these these systems so i see the potential here again because i see it as as an open canvas in a lot of ways it's beautiful yeah i mean you've there really are not many places left on the planet that have that opportunity and potential still there. It's true. Because I've always thought, like, how are we going to restructure America? It's kind of just one exactly. of those things. It, it's it already is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here in Zambia and in many places in Africa, there's so much. And I've seen it. I've had visions of it. I've had visions of these beautiful food forests with these sustainable earthship bungalows and I've, I've totally seen it here in Africa so I know we're here for a big purpose and a big reason it just feels yeah like sometimes our dreams can be really slow to manifest because we're also in a space of 
you know, we're young parents and we're still trying to meet our own needs and mm -hmm. we're really praying for that's why, you know, with our music and our touring and just creating more exposure and just praying to grow our following and to stay authentic and connected and to grow in a way that helps us really raise the resources and the funds um, because we have a lot of experience now in traveling. We feel very confident in what we have the ability to do and can finally accept that about ourselves that we've kind of started to transition into a space so that we, okay, we, we do have information to share now and we do have experience to share now. Um, and we are experientially qualified to share, to share this. And, So it's a big dream for us to be more empowered to to do that, and I know that's gotta be it's gotta be why we're here. It's certainly not to to have a good time. <laughs> it's not that it's not that bad, but yeah, we just miss having you know people like us is what we miss the most in South Africa where we toured recently. Ah, whoosh, it's just like there's so many people like us, but you know that's why we're we're not needed as much there because there's so many people like us. Mm -hmm. Same with America. Here in Zambia, there's no one. In the grand scheme of things, this is us. The essence of people kind of chasing this falsified American dream in Africa, and you know, you doing this alternative way of living with conscious birthing mm -hmm. and uh, parenting, of course, vegan lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, is it something that they just don't have the understanding of why it maybe is better or more um, sustainable mm -hmm. for you know longevity of the planet and their selves. I hear you. Yeah, I think due to the lack of education, there's right. like, you know, people don't know mm -hmm. that the Amazon is on fire. People don't know any of the news that's happening outside this country. So generally, you know, it's hard. There's so many trees here still <laughs> to someone's, you know, to most people's Uh, most people can go to a place within walking distance that's just full of trees and bush. And so it's hard to understand like, oh, not enough. It's hard to understand the big picture without being exposed to the big picture. And then, you know, I think education is a huge part of it, of course, but there's a lot of NGOs that are failing with education. And in my opinion, that's because they haven't created that heart connection. And that's why I feel like what me and Matt do, our family is different. Because, yeah, we want to educate people. Since we're coming in with music and food and community and the desire to just sit together and hear your stories and laugh and, and connect and share songs in the native language, like we're creating this heart bond first so that when we're gone, there's still this trust, there's this connection, there's this like, okay, there's, there's actually a change happening in the heart, not just a mind. And it's slow. It's something that has to be nurtured. It's not instant even the people that we've known around our community like matt's family staff has known us for a couple years and we speak our truth to them all the time there's a lot of love there and still they're living the way that they want to live you know but there's a heart connection being made there's there are little changes taking place if we just come into these villages and just come and just educate and like pay for stuff and leave food or leave care boxes or plant some trees and then walk away there's no legacy There's no accountability, you know, there's no reason why. So only by building these relationships from the inside out, you know, being involved in the communities, connecting with individuals on an ongoing basis, um, that's the only way to, and also working with the kids, I think is the only way to really change the future is because of, most of the parents are already set in their ways, but the kids are hungry for this. You know, the kids are wired to learn a new way to live. All children in the world now are more evolved than we are they're one generation more evolved and they're wired to you know it'd be more advanced than than us so working with them and planting that seed in their heart of wanting to make a difference is something that we're really called to help with in any way that we in any way that we can we're happy to help with that great yeah i know it's not easy at times but you know that's the challenges of leading the way and kind of showing the light and the, I guess, true infinite potential that we all have. And, you know, just kind of tapping into that, of course, but having the desire to make a difference. Um, again, not just for your community, the world, but for yourself. And that's, that's kind of what my journey has led. It's like, you know, kind of re-identifying with the person who I thought I was and 
finding my new tribe that I like mm. want to be with and um, mm. creating really heavenly things together with. So, wow, yeah, I think, that's beautiful. <laughs> and that's part of you know this mission of the podcast is kind of you know I say the word recruit, but in a way, kind of like gather the people who are, I mean, extremely just they're thirsty for this type of information and yeah. hope for a better place and world and um for me you know it, it gives me a lot of inspiration to know that people are out there you know doing the best they can with what they've got you know whether that's their family bigger community company business um, or even startup mm. or just small like passion of, of creating music for people it's it looks different in so many ways but everybody collectively can has something to offer yeah. and add so it's that in and of itself is something that I pray and dream of inspiring people to dream especially where we are here average Zambian person isn't is not passionate about their dreams which is so I don't know exactly the history and why because the average Zimbabwean person is passionate about creating something different so and even um, and and you know, a friend here is the one that just said that to me. It's the one that told me, he's like, you know, just for whatever reason, Zambians would rather work for people than, than you know, um, than create something themselves. And that has to have to do with a colonial influence or um, a tradition, an influence of being repressed, of being enslaved. And slavery, slavery was only abolished here in like the 60s or something, the 70s. Mm-hmm. They got in, in independence from Britain so there's so much healing and we have to light the fire of other people because the potential here is brilliant the the strengths of the people here the people are so generally so peaceful and so kind and so flipping happy like okay I see how it's a downside to not be like really driven and be a huge visionary or dreamer okay that's how I see it coming in as an American but if you sit with that and look longer and see okay I as much as it's beautiful to be a dreamer, I've also experienced a lot of negative feelings because of the discontentment of not having my dreams and always wanting for more. We can look at it as dreaming, but at the same time, it's longing for more. And generally the people here that have so little are just so content with what they have. So if we're able to really blend the cultures together and really come into unity and really learn from each other, that space in the middle of being grateful and content but also being passionate and excited and inspired, that space is where like our huge point of power is, is by learning from these other cultures. I've seen this thing before that in in between um, where you find flow is right in the middle of discipline and, and surrender. And generally the African people are just wonderful at surrender. And, and um, sometimes we're over-disciplined, you know, we're like so so obsessed with our structure and our rigidity and there's a joke here about everyone always being late because it's African time and that was really hard for me to get used to but you know it's beautiful so if we can find that that middle space I think there's so much potential there and there's so much room to heal the cultural wounds that are so 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 deep yeah that's I mean that blend of of unity is what you know you just said it but it's taking what one person's value system has kind of taking another, merging it together and, um, you know, collectively, it just adds for more culture and, I mean, imagine mm. the different type of arts and just mm-hmm. the ideas that people can bounce back off. I mean, that's just kind of just returning to what does work for everyone. And yeah, it's more practical, right? It just makes sense. It's like, why would we want to continue to hurt ourselves and the planet when we have solutions? Mm. I think a lot of it comes down what you're saying to what we spoke about in the beginning, really. It's, it seems like so, two separate co- topics, but it's so connected about honesty and authenticity and humility and being willing as an individual to say like, look, I don't have it all figured out. What can I learn from you? Like, where can I, where can I humble myself and, you know, just like receive your wisdom and not always come in. And that's something that we're learning too. Like we've always kind of come in with this, like, teacher energy this preacher energy this like because in a lot of ways we have been blessed with a lot of information but as far as experiential and like psychological well-being we have a lot to learn from the african people when it comes to inner peace and and gratitude and and simple contentment and 
So it's like seeing, being able to identify the strengths in everyone around you, no matter how seemingly, you know, different they are or less privileged or even less smart, you may think, or this person's less creative or less mentally stable or whatever. That might be true, but you got to look at what they're, what they're, they're, I promise you, if they're in your life, then they're here to teach you something too, or else you wouldn't have, they, that's why they're here. Just as much for you to teach them as that person is here to teach you something beautiful. So let's look for that as we're sharing our wisdom. We know our wisdom, you know, I repeat the same teachings to everyone almost I see, you know, like I repeat the same stuff, you know. But each person that I may have the same information to give, each person has different information to give me. So tuning that ear to listen and receive is potent and powerful stuff. Power of listening, not something we're again necessarily taught, but it is a really valuable skill to have because, you know, having the quick response to just want to, I guess, overpower or overeducate, whatever. Just listen to what they have to say and digest that information and, and take it for what it is. Don't try to think your way is the right way or their way is the wrong way. Again, with coronavirus and everything, I think it is kind of, I would hope, opening spaces at home at this point. You know, that might have been a little bit of dysfunction in the beginning, but maybe they figured out what is working um, better and how people can have just a more again honest space to to discuss matters of what's going on and what's on someone's mind or chest because yeah what's what's the reason for holding it back at this point <laughs> it's not gonna yeah it's like thing, things are getting so real right now like yeah. let's just go into it. it's so funny i wonder if the whole time you're gonna have my daughter snoring in this pod, podcast um i can't <laughs> i don't hear <laughs> okay cool there's an underlying whisper that's what it is it's cool leave it in um <laughs> um but yeah, that, that opportunity to get real is something that I like coming back again, circling back to the beginning of this conversation is if you don't get real for yourself right now, if we don't become honest and authentic and get real about our flaws and where we have to work and also our, our, our passions and our gifts, if we don't get real right now. Others are going to get real for us and it's going to be embarrassing and there's going to be confrontation and our family's going to call us out. Someone's going to call us out, you know, like, People, if you're, what we've, we're witnessing so many people getting called out. And obviously, we're witnessing that on a much deeper, darker, heavier scale, but that's happening in every way. And so it's, yeah, a good lesson to, to just go ahead. And it's way, always way easier to just, you know, be authentic and admit your, what you're working on and what you're dealing with or your past than to have to get called out and confronted. And it also comes back what you were saying to the responsiveness versus the reactiveness, you know, of, of, and something, again, this is, you really on this, on this chat today, my friends, you didn't pick up on what I was hoping to talk about. Instead, you picked up on what was needed to be talked about. You didn't really pick up on what I was, um, what I'm usually comfortable in bragging and sharing about, you know, like, Oh, I'm so vegan. I did a free birth. No, you actually got real. And we actually somehow flowed into things that authentically need to be expressed in my life. And that's where the the reality comes in from now is, is if we want to share where all of our wisdom is, then we better also be able to share where all of our flaws are too. So Thanks. Thanks for finding the yeah. heart. <laughs> Not even trying. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess I kind of apologize if, if you didn't think. No, um, I no, guess because I was hoping that you were just going to keep going on about it. But <laughs> again, that's how like I could format questions left and right about what I want to have this conversation, um, you know, kind of hit bullet points, if you will. But at the end of the day, it's whatever is mm-hmm. in the moment for me coming out mm-hmm. of, of from my source <laughs> what source is it's downloading what and to, yeah what's, what needs to be discussed and what people yeah. need to hear again yeah. so. that it's that honest expression you know it's like mm-hmm. let's get real let's all let's like I'm 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 into it I want to start a radical honesty movement I want it to go viral on social media you know like just get real get honest express it and this there's time for us to share are you know i can i can talk about 
you know, what I'm really good at any day. I'll, I'll be here next time to talk about all that. But, you know, for now, in this moment we are in the world, in this deep, deep moment, it's a really good time to just to just have real conversations with the people around you and to really open up and, and express. And the more we do that in talks like this or talks with our families, the more, again, safe spaces are, are going are gonna to come. He's the not, you guys. Though. Thanks for talking about that. <laughs> My I, husband I, wants I don't mind. to. <laughs> I don't mean to chime in right now, but just thank you for speaking the honest truth. It, it eases the air. <laughs> I agree, yes. <laughs> that's beautiful. Cool. Yeah, and again, that's, um, you know, I like to end it this way just to offer more people a space to come and speak their truth and share their story. And that's what Talks of Life um, was intended to do out of my heart and service for the world to know that they're not alone. You know, there's people going through these same experiences more or less. And um, yeah, we need each other to heal from, to talk to, to engage, to inform, to grow and evolve. Um, so yes, thank you for being on wow. here. <laughs> so grateful. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Um, so if you want to maybe share more about your purpose with the Freedom uh, Family Band, I'd be happy to end with yeah. that. So the Freedom Family Band is what evolved during our most recent tour to South Africa. Previously, we've been known you can find our music online right now as Mad Cat. That's what, so we're kind of in between two identities right now. Um, previously known as Mad Cat, which is kind of our, you know, like our emerging name because it's cute it's ringy it's funny that we he's mad and i'm cat and we sing together and it's <laughs> definitely who we are so it's one of our instagram and facebook flows is mad cat actually where one of our our first album is on spotify itunes all that as mad cat but then we just really realized that our calling was to open up and as we were touring and playing music, we just loved playing with other people. And we had our drummer join us. And it was just so weird to be like, okay, we're playing as Mad Cat and here's Tone. You know, it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't organic. Our kids would be flying around in the background. Hi, Mad Cat. And, um, and we would be Mad Cat. And it just didn't really express us. So the Freedom Family Band was born as this desire to really incorporate started with musicians as we journeyed and toured and just the you know we would guide spaces where we would be able to facilitate beautiful jam sessions and and musical flows and then it's really you know organic we have a line that we say at some of our shows we say ah we're the freedom family band and if you're here you're also in it you know like because we're co-creating this experience so it's expanding past the music and going into the community. Our Patreon is is um, patreon.com slash Freedom Family Band. And that's really just our mission to, yeah, we call it, it's a band, but it's, it's the band, the music is the doorway into so much more. Like I was saying earlier, that's the opportunity for the heart connection. That's the opportunity for that initial spark and that relatability. And then after we have, share that music there's so much more room for mutual trust to share and exchange and give and receive um on deeper and also more specific logistic uh levels on how to how to work together so the freedom family band is ever evolving from Matt cat to freedom family band back to Matt cat i use both i don't i, I float between who we are for sure and i think different aspects are different things like when we're when we're sharing as match cats, it's more of my personal lifestyle, my personal story, what my kids ate for breakfast that day, you know, our, our coaching, our like our more humble personal aspect, and then Freedom Family Band is kind of more our our, our mission in the world, our our purpose. That's awesome. So it's like um yeah, you are kind of gathering your tribe as you present and perform I actually, and... An I actually have an album called gather the tribe that i released right before matt and i got together awesome. um, it's on itunes and spotify it was kind of it was kind of a bust it was a really sad album i spent a lot of money and energy on it but the marketing was kind of um not kind of i accidentally sold it to um a fake pr company who stole all the rights so when you listen to my album 
Freedom or my album Gather the Tribe by Katrina Lilly on iTunes, which is beautiful and I want everyone to listen to it. There's this amazing song on it called Beautiful Colorful People. None of the proceeds come to me and I don't know where they go. And it's really sad. A lot of people actually have to come out and be authentic about that. I'm going to on social media soon. Happened a few years ago and even people that pre-ordered it, I kind of failed on giving it to and I kind of failed on um, honoring all the people that were on it because I got really, really sad when I realized what was happening. And I just, I, I just gave up on it. I, I, I really broke my heart. And, and yeah, so you, you brought, you brought up another, another old wound that needs to be, be healed. If anyone's listening, um, who's been affected by that. Sorry, my bad. That's what happened. I've never shared it with you. <laughs> Freedom Family Band, Mad Cat is, it's really just a, an, an opening for us to evolve and, and share and create and connect with each other. And that's what yeah, we The way I do. see it, it's, it's just an outlet for your family to kind of express their truth through. Yeah. And, and be able to hold space. More, right. Who want to connect and do that also. You know, like, how can we work together? How can we be your hands? Like, people who support us, we don't want it to be a one way one way giving you know we want to support you with music with coaching with with you know inspiration with with ideas with recipes with concepts with insights whatever we can give we want to give and we're blessed with different gifts you know you're blessed with different gifts than I am so let's all start just sharing that that wisdom together and and really yeah meeting meeting in in some middle space well, I would love to close off um, if you feel guided to share one last kind of closing message um, for our listeners mm. or even your family, whatever. Cool. Like present in the moment. Cool. Let me breathe into that. Let me take a like, let me take a breath. Yeah, this is a really good time that we're into. I've said it. I said it already, but it's a really good time to get real and whatever that means for you, it's not just admitting things. Um, in a lot of ways, it's just getting more real to who you were really meant to be and what is really actually true for you. And it's also a really good time to reach out for help. And I'm not just saying that because um, we've been launching um, a coaching project. I'm saying that because there's a lot of amazing people that are out there that are really good at helping people get through these things and there's a lot of amazing programs learning workshops retreats there's a lot of things being birthed and i would just really encourage everyone right now to support each other and to know that they're supported and to not keep it in anymore and really just get get real whatever that means for you it's a, it's a really good time to get real yeah that'd be my message of the day a special one it's not my usual message of the day but today now in this moment it's what's coming through as the most important thing to share well again I'm very thankful for your time and it looks like we've pacified your daughter maybe yeah, for a little she's bit so asleep. She's, she's so asleep it's perfect you did great so, well thank you again i'm well, very thankful that we've been able to connect through yeah. These wonderful, magical, crazy times that are shifting and sorting yeah. things the way they, they should be. And um, yeah, I look forward Definitely. to reconnecting and sharing this with your your audience. Thank and you so much support. to being for being open to the divine flow of the universe um, bringing us into this moment. And, you know, for one heart that's been touched by this message together, this, this channeling, this divine channeling that we've co-created, um we've really done an awesome job so to that one heart or those many more than one hearts thank you for for listening and receiving and and co-creating this experience with us really super blessed yes just remember everything is working out the way it should and staying open to the flow so just (laughs) thank you my friend (laughs) yeah thank you you too you too us us gypsy souls will find our home (laughs) i know (laughs) <laughs> all right, sister, we'll as we speak. Again. All right, hun. <laughs> cool. Bye bye. Lots of love. Bye.